Welcome to the number one MSU basketball podcast in America. The Final Four is not on the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thank you for having me. I uh, I have listened to your guys' podcast numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am big fans of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold, and Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're going to lose. Coming down the stretch, you're going to lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod here, and we're finally, well, almost done with the preseason. Michigan State will host Hillsdale College on Wednesday for the first of its two exhibition season warmups. The second will be Sunday against Tennessee, which was previously a closed scrimmage, but has now been opened up to the public to raise funds for the Maui Relief after the terrible fires this summer. Uh, but before we get into talking about Hillsdale, I think the one thing we missed, if you listen to our pregame show, you obviously noticed that we recorded that before uh, the news from Jackson Kohler having surgery on his foot. Uh, so why don't we just briefly talk about that and sort of what that means, I guess, moving forward, at least in the beginning part of the season. Yeah, um, obviously not ideal. You you rather have everybody available. It <laughs> goes right. without saying, but it's also not a both because of who it was to and the nature of the injury. It's it's not anything that's you know that should have anyone really up in arms. I think um, you know for Jackson, obviously it's not a positive because. When you're a young player, you want to get as many reps, and that's game reps, but also practice reps, as you can, and especially when you're trying to build. And so he's not going to have that time. He's, they seem to be targeting, you know, before New Year, so some point in December. And mm -hmm. I think that's a little bit vague right now. It depends on how he responds, et cetera, but. Um, that's the good news is that he'll be back. Uh, bad news is he isn't going to get these reps in November and December, which you'd rather have him have. Uh, so that's for Jackson. Uh, in terms of MSU's team, the one thing that's impacted here, but I'm, I'm not sure it's all entirely a negative, is Izzo has been talking about Jackson playing back up four minutes mm -hmm. and it seems that that's real or that was real i have questions about that my, my questions primarily are on the defensive end i understand he's been shooting it extremely well which is a downside you don't you don't have him to take advantage of that maybe to give right. them a little something along the lines of what they have with joey hauser uh remains to be seen how effective he would be, but let's assume that that's a possibility. And the word I've gotten that he's been and what Izzo has said publicly, he's been shooting the ball well is accurate. Uh, but my questions are on the defensive end. I, I still think Jackson's got some developing to do to adequately defend at the five. And when mm -hmm. you're talking about him defending the four, there's a lot of different kinds of fours. Now, if they were intending on playing him only against certain kinds of guys, 
meaning bigger players, okay, that might be one thing. But, you know, basketball has evolved to the point that a stretch four really isn't even, and probably shouldn't be called a stretch four because for the most part, you should assume (laughs) that a good percentage of the four men you're going to see on opposing teams are going to be capable of stretching the floor. They're going to be capable of hitting jumpers. That's where I, I wonder about it. Um, Jackson's gotten in much better shape. I, I believe, I know everything I've heard is that his work ethic is top notch. So I'm sure he has put the time in. I'm sure he has improved. But to me, him playing the four is a real challenge. So with him not possible to play that role behind Malik Call for the first, you know, whatever it's going to be, six weeks, seven weeks of the season. That means you're you're likely talking about one or both of two freshmen, Xavier Booker and Colton Carr. And I have to be honest, I think both of those guys have better a better chance of getting up to speed defensively at that position than Jackson does. Um, uh-huh. More so Cohen than than Xavier. I think Xavier's still got some work to do, but um, on the other hand, Xavier Booker obviously has off the charts kind of potential. I guess my bottom line is uh, for whatever those minutes are going to require, let's say it's going to require 10, 12 minutes a night. I think I'd rather see those invested in somebody else. uh, You know, one of those two freshmen or both of them as opposed to Jackson and let Jackson play the five, you know, that that's kind of where I'm at. And I could be all wrong about this, but that's, that's my inclination. So I, I, it could end up being one of those things that's uh, that ends up being a positive because you had no choice, but to invest these early minutes in those two young guys. And also, by the way, if, if, if you're not feeling good about one or both of your freshmen, because they're so young, you do have Carson Cooper, who I think is also capable of playing the four because he did it some last year. So they are not without options to, to handle this. You know, that's, this is the great thing about depth, you know, and right. they've got it. Yeah. And yeah, you'd rather have everybody for sure, but uh, available and playing. But if, if this had to happen, the other, the other thing too, is if it had to happen better than it happened now, because if he does come back at some point around the holidays, that's a lot of time available to him to get him back up to speed before March. You know, I just, I, yeah. So it's unfortunate, but I don't think, I don't think it changes anything about MSU, their potential, their ceiling, all of that. I I just, I really don't. Um, I suppose the only other thing you could mention is that Jackson is the one guy that you probably feel most comfortable with as a post scorer. Um, and so you're not going to have that. So if they're going to have post offense, they're going to have to generate it from other sources. But as I noted in our preview, I don't know that I believe Jackson's going to play enough where he by himself is going to elevate that part of MSU's offense substantially. You know? Yeah. He's not going to be putting down 15 points a game. Yeah. He's not going to be a 30 minute a night guy. So I acknowledge and I agree with the fact that he gives you something there that nobody else on the roster does. And I would rather have that as an option if, if it's possible, but I don't think lacking it is going to be some huge sea change 
in MSU's offensive potential and capability, you know? Yeah. There, I mean, there's definitely plenty of versatility in the four and five position. I mean, I guess you could say, well, now you only have two centers, but you know, oftentimes you just have one and <laughs> back right. So having three was a huge luxury and that's why you almost had to find ways of other ways of getting players. You thought were worthwhile to, yeah. to get minutes by moving Kohler to the four. Yeah. Similar to maybe Cooper. Uh, and then I guess, you know, the, the other thing is you could say, well, now if you're moving Carr to the four to play backup, backup, and it's like behind Booker, that now you leave some more room at the three. But then you've got Norman, who could probably spot up for a little while and could fill in there too, potentially. I guess I, I don't know if you, if you think you need. There's an element there that's probably worth spending a second on too. And that's Michigan State, and Izzo's talked about this over the last few days. Michigan State's focus this whole offseason with Cohen Carr has been getting him ready to play on the wing. Yeah. And so Izzo feels like he's, he said, he's a smart kid. He picks things up. So they are now giving him some stuff at the four. Uh, I think that probably would have happened anyway. But, but mm -hmm. I guess from my perspective, if you've got to play him at the four, let's not pretend that you're not losing something potentially at the three right. because he gives you things that nobody else does. He gives you size at that position that nobody else does. He is athleticism. So playing the three or the four where it really matters is your role on the break. If you think about MSU's transition offense, typically the four man is a trail man where your yeah. wings are the guys running the lanes, looking to finish at the rim. Uh, or peel off for a three, you know, depending upon who it is. In Cohen's case, I think it would be finishing at the rim at this stage. <laughs> no question, yeah. Um, so if he's at the four rather than the three, he's playing a different role in MSU's transition offense, and you're maybe not getting as much out of him as you'd like to. Um, but, I again, I don't think it's a huge deal. Yeah. Well, and, and this, I think, ultimately is going to be probably helpful in the future, as long as there aren't more injuries that mount up and right. start stacking up, and then you start having more holes that you're trying to fill. But it just allows more opportunity for people to get experience. It is it is tough for, for Jackson, because if you look at it, if you look at Jay Nakins, I think is a good example from last season. I think Jackson's like a month behind as far as when he had a surgery compared to Jaden. Yeah. I think Jaden's was in August, and so his is going to be, well, even October. And Jaden, I don't think we both don't feel like he really got up to speed until February, maybe even yeah. when he was like totally himself, maybe even March. And so it might be tough for, for Jackson. Now it's a different kind of game that he plays. And so maybe you don't need as much That's what to I get was back to say it's a different thing. I mean, I hear you and that could be it. Look, it could, we, we might be he, sitting here in February and saying, boy, well, we hope there's enough time for Jackson to really find himself. But, it, it there are different demands there. I I just I don't think it's going to be the same thing with Jade Nakins. You're asking him to do a lot of things, and it's a little simpler equation for Jackson, in my opinion. Sure. Well, and I think that maybe the one thing you could say is it might be even more difficult for him to try and play the four, come back and play the four. That's definitely true. Right. That's definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into the meat of the, the show here. Uh, before we begin, I just want to remind everyone that if you want to support the show, we have lots of supporters on Patreon or through Substack. You're more than welcome to give a recurring gift to us, which is greatly appreciated. You can find that information ways of doing that or a one-time gift via PayPal or Venmo at thefinalfours and on the schedule.com slash support. Or 
If you're lazy, tffinots.com slash support. Uh, you can also find ways to get our logo t-shirts and hoodies. They're super comfortable. They're through nudge printing. You can find that also at the final fours on the schedule.com slash merchandise. Uh, before we begin, I just want to also mention that uh, we are having the contest. We've had a couple entries already. So if you wanted the beat rod contest and predicting the big 10 final standings, one through 14, you can email me at eric at eric at tffinots.com. Your standings for the finals in Big Ten, 1 through 14. The tiebreaker is how many points Michigan State scores against Michigan this season. And they're playing them twice. Uh, obviously, just leave your name, just email, and then we'll get you in there. Uh, winner gets nudge printing gear at the end of the season. And as, uh, we're going to use this for our tiebreakers for the final standings, what they use for the Big Ten tournament seating, because it's just easier that way. So uh, you've had, had a chance to listen to all the previews. If you haven't, go back and listen to them. And you get Rod's take on that, and then you can enter in your own. Uh, so Michigan State will, as I mentioned before, going to open against Hillsdale College on Wednesday. Uh, the Chargers are D2 school, actually pretty good. They actually focus quite a bit on athletics for as small schools they are. They play in the Great Midwest Athletic Conference. They were 23-7 and last year, 15-5 and in their conference. Uh, they were actually, I think, with the playoffs, I think they went fairly deep in the playoffs. One of the Well, two, two, years, two years ago, they made the Elite Eight. Right. Yep. They had, they really good a couple of years. Yeah. Right. Um, they lost four of the five stars from that team. So this year you would expect Hillsdale to be a rebuilding year a little bit. The one nice thing about this for us, well, I guess let's talk about Hillsdale briefly, I guess, real briefly. <laughs> I know we've did a college visit there and it's pretty cool school, really tiny. And I feel like the only way you can get there is through a dirt road. Um, but uh, this is a school that does, like I said, it values athletics. Uh, but it is D school, D two school. So it's this is not this is not even the competition that they were playing. I think really even Grand Valley last season. Yeah, I I was surprised. I to show you how little I focus on D two. I didn't realize that they were no longer a member of the GLIAC. And you know the GLIAC is the league that like Grand Valley, Lake Superior, Wayne mm-hmm. State, those schools that are probably very familiar to a lot of our listeners compete in. And Hillsdale joined, met, left with several other schools a few years ago to join the uh, the GMAC. Uh, but they've been very good. They've gone to, um, I believe it's three straight NCAA tournaments. And as mm-hmm. I mentioned, year before last, they went to an Elite Eight. So a lot of success. They have had a coaching. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what what impact that has, if any. Um, their former head coach moved up to the athletic director's role. So the program has been taken over by his, his uh, top assistant. Uh, so you would think that they're going to do things probably largely the same way. But uh, I think in terms of what kind of opposition they're going to provide to Michigan State, the fact that they lost so much from a very good team last year likely would would suggest that um, – they're not going to be, you know, this isn't one you would expect Michigan State gets pushed in. And we we have had a few of those, a handful of those over the years where, you know, there might there was there was a year where MSU lost to Grand Valley in one of these exhibitions. Mm-hmm. Um and there have been uh there have been times where like Ferris State, for example, who's in a very good program. Um there have been years where you've had a, a test from one of these schools where you say, well, this is probably akin to, you know, uh, certain kinds of mid-major games, 
you know, where you expect to win, but you think you'd get pushed. I'm not sure this one lines up that way, given the totality of it. Yeah, I think if that happens, we'll have some serious concern. well, <laughs> concerns about the team. I would be concerned. It would just be extremely disappointing. Um, yeah, you know, you, sure. you, you, as we're going to talk about, uh, one of the things you want to do is you want to get it, everything off to the right start. So you want to play a game where you come away from it feeling good about the things that you were able to do. Yeah, there aren't there aren't too many breaks for Michigan State in the. I guess they have a couple great breaks before they start the meet of the season in the non conference uh, soon afterwards, with the Champions Class against Duke. Uh, so before we begin with the going down the roster, I just want to mention the brothers Just Do Gutters. If you're a frequent listener to the show, you know that the brothers Just Do Gutters, Just Do Gutters, they do fantastic work. If you need your gutters replaced, repaired, you need some you know, just cleaned out or you need those leaf guards put on because if you're like me, you've got leaves all over the place. And so it is nice this, this year. I have not had to clean leaves out of the gutter, which is something I despise that and getting on ladders. So those two things make it wonderful that they took care of all that for me. You can get 10% off if you, uh, if you contact the you know, Greg on the east side of the state, the Detroit metro area, or Kurt on the west side of the state in the Grand Rapids, Holland, Saugatuck area, they will take care of things. They do it very quickly well-priced if it's, and they can take care of not only just your home, but also your business. If you've got some problems, my wife's uh, office needed a huge, like 30 foot long section of gutter replaced and no one would do it. And they came out right away and did it with like a day or two. It was pretty amazing. They did a great job. So you contact the brothers to just do gutters. And so for Michigan state, there's only one returning starter. So we're going to assume that Joe Reuter, I think that's how you pronounce the name is the guy that Michigan state needs to keep in the gutter and to, to not let him go off against them. Yeah, he's he's their one returning starter. In fact, the only uh, their their sixth man was also a senior and, and left. So he's really the big gun who's back at six five wing. He's a junior um, from out of Wisconsin, a very productive player. Twelve and a half points a game. Shot the ball reasonably well. Um, so he would he would be the guy who comes in with the most production under his belt. And so then moving on to other players, he was also what second team all uh, conference That's right. last season as well. Yep. Um, and so then the starters are the, just like I imagine. Well, lots of teams. They're the guys who are who are the reserves are now going to move into the starting. Well, goals. we we assume uh, we should. You know, yeah. I guess we don't. <laughs> there's three other guys who were in their you could say were in their rotation who were back. So then after that, you're talking about guys who weren't in their rotation and are back or freshmen. And I, you know, sorry, I can't, I can't really tell you who those guys are going to be, who's likely to start, but at least we know who were the players that were, um, that were in their playing group a season ago. Right. We don't have any Ken Palm statistics no. on D2 schools, right? Yeah. So I, we can start just say Charles Woodhams. He's a six, three junior guard. He averaged 6.4 points game on 56, 50 and 78 shooting, uh, Eric Radizovich, a 6'9 junior, averaged 5.8 points a game on 52, 39, and 86 shooting. And Ashton Janowski, who's 6'2 sophomore, averaging a little over two points a game on 43, 39, and 33 in limited volume as a freshman. But I think, you know, those three numbers all tell you that this is a pretty good shooting yep. team, at least from what we can see. So that will provide – and, you know, there are plenty of times you play small teams, and if they can shoot well, you can stay in a game, right, if you start hitting the threes. That's right. That's always – look, anytime you're talking about – miss you know mismatches on paper it it comes down oftentimes for the, the lesser team to stay in the game 
uh, via effective three-point shooting. That's usually the great equalizer. And so you're right. These guys, at least statistically, show the potential to be dangerous from out there. So Michigan State's perimeter defense is going to need to be um, engaged in this one. Yeah. If we wanna, It'll be a good challenge. Yeah. If, if you want right. to have the kind of performance that, you know, that you, you would like to have in a game like this, they're going to need to be locked in. And this is the kind of game that you hope that Michigan State plays the first round of the NCAA tournament where you play a very small team, you know, a 16 seed or 15 seed. I mean, that's the dream, right? A one or two seat going into next right. year. So a team, hopefully you should be able to handle that plays a yeah, strange like way because we like saw a, Purdue like unable to like do that. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, so let's talk about the key to the game. Uh, brought to you by Nudge Printing. Nudge Printing does uh, fantastic work. They, If you need Spartan gear, uh, that is the absolute first place you should turn to. I have a number of their shirts, the logo shirts from our show, but also some others. Super soft and comfortable, very wearable, washable. They're all screen printed, so they're super high quality. Uh, you can't go wrong with Nudge Printing. Uh, nudgeprinting.com. They have all kinds of the really cool uh, older uh, logos, like the Gruff Sparty for you know, basketball or football. So if you want a unique shirt and not wear the same one everyone else is wearing, Nudge Printing is a great place to go to. And uh, so I can't recommend enough. Gabe and Brittany, former Spartan alumni, they are do fantastic work, all made in Michigan. Uh, so they will take care of you. You get 20% off your order if you mention Final, type in Final Four as one word in checkout uh, with your order. And again, that's at nudgeprinting.com. So the first key to the game, health, <laughs> which is kind of the obvious one with this sort of an exhibition game. Yeah, you, you just, you don't, <laughs> the primary goal here <laughs> is an obvious one, right? It's come out of this game fully healthy. Um, you don't want to see anybody get hurt. And, you know, they're already down one guy now. That's okay because you've still got, um, what have you got? Uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You're still 10 deep. Um, I'm sorry, 11 deep. At 11, point, right? Yeah, we had 12. With Derek yeah. Norman. Um, but you, you just, you don't, you want to keep everybody healthy. It's always the, the first goal of the So the second key to the game is pace. And this is something we were talking about the preview. And now that we've had the green and white scrimmage, which occurred Saturday before the uh, Michigan game. What we have suspected is that Michigan State is going to be playing faster, <laughs> playing different than they have in the last yep. few seasons. So pace is obviously going to be something we can keep our eye because I think you know the one thing with the exhibition season, aside from the weird lineups you get all the time, you definitely will get a feel for sort of how the team is playing, Correct. maybe differently than the previous years, right? Yep. And and look, I think it's I think it's a lock. MSU is going to apply man pressure. And, and with, with a little bit of a twist. So when they did this in 2005, it was straight man pressure, but really the sole intent was force the opponent to expend physical and mental energy. And, you know, cause it's harder to, to bring the ball up. Even if you're not being trapped, it just takes a little more out of you. If you've got a guy really getting up into you defensively, you know, um, mm -hmm. so there's that and also going along with that to use, uh, to take away some of the shot clock because you've got to expend that kind of time to get the ball into half, uh, into your offense to get over half court. Um, 
you know, you've lost some time on the shot clock and we're working now with a 30 second shot clock as opposed to what was a 35 second clock in 2005. One difference though, is at least a little bit of the time, say a quarter to a third of the time from what I've gathered, uh, MSU is actually in addition to that ball pressure, they are playing passing lanes a little more aggressively. Now that's still not trapping, but that's that's again a little bit of a twist. That's the kind of thing that potentially could force more opponent mistakes. Of course, it could also leave you more vulnerable um, if you're getting beat backdoor, for example. If you're, I, I would think that part of it, I'm a little more dubious about in terms of how much we'll actually see it. But reports from the green and white game were that about a quarter to a third of the time, the guys off ball were being much more aggressive in playing the passing lanes than we're used to seeing. So all of that, in addition to all of the same uh, defensive elements that, that, that can bring to the table, as, as we mentioned, you know, taking a toll on the opponent physically and mentally, reducing the amount of shot clock they've got left within within which to operate their offense. I think it also should help to speed the overall pace of the game up, which is a positive for Michigan State because you want this team to get in transition. One of the as we talked about in our preview, one of the real weaknesses for MSU offensively last year was two point efficiency. They just weren't very yeah. good. Well that's going to happen if you don't really have a reliable post game. And then you're also not doing much of anything in transition. I'm not sure how much different the post game is going to be, but you'd hope for a little better, but it's, it's not going to be um, dramatically different in my opinion, but the transition game should be, and that's where Michigan state can drastically improve their two point efficiency this year if they are able to get into transition with more frequency and they should be able to. So all of these things kind of go hand in hand in terms of getting the game played at a faster tempo. I will admit, I don't remember the 05, 06 season real clearly as far 04, as like exactly 04, how they played. Or sorry, 04, 05. Yeah. Uh, so when you're saying that they're that full court pressure, does that mean like even when they're, they're going to be guarding someone tightly all the way out to the, to the half court line, even on, in the half court or once do they sort of back off more after it, that it, at that time it looked more conventional in half court as i recall um what i'm gathering is that right now at least michigan state is showing some indications that they may play a little higher line defensively they may be a little more aggressive defensively with this group and and look they've got the personnel to do it I mean, yeah, every right. one of those five guards, so I'm not counting Cohen Carr or Garrett Dorman, but every one of the five true guards that they've got is a plus defender, in my opinion, and is at least good athletically. Some of them are better than that. And so there's no good reason why they can't look to do some of those things and be a little bit more aggressive in terms of the the uh, level of ball pressure they're applying. And so like if you're looking at the just recent past, like you wouldn't be able to pull this sort of uh, higher line of defense off with Cassius Winston because phys- just because his... Yeah, he's not built he's for it. not able to do that. He's not built yeah, for right. it. He'd be asking for trouble. Um, the yeah. other thing 
that enables them to do it is just those numbers, the depth. You know, if you're going to play that way, that is going to take a toll. Yeah, you want to exact a toll on the opponent. It's also going to take a toll on you, you know. And so sure, you have to have guys that you feel confident in off the bench. Well, Michigan State, I think, has reason to feel very confident about Jeremy Fears and Trey Holloman. And and I th- those guys are going to play. I mean, anybody who thinks and starts bidding, if they see that Tyson Walker is, a, is only playing 29 minutes and not 34, get ready and get used to it. Because that's what they're <laughs> going to do. I'm telling you. And finally, I know this, this is going to drifting a little ways from the, the pace discussion, but uh, when it comes to that pressure, do you do you foresee them being a little different on the uh, out of bounds as well? Like I felt like yes. the one thing I always remember with Thad Mata with Ohio State, it was always hard getting the ball in. Yep. You know, on every out of bounds, that was like a, you know one of his point of emphasis. Yes. So you do you think that'll be different as well? Yes, there's some indication of that. I don't know if that's going to be a, a an every possession thing, but it's clearly something. There's there's video footage out there of some recent practices where you see them working as a group very, very hard on that. And yeah, I think that's going to be the case. I, I Again, I'm not sure it's going to be every single inbound situation, but you're going to see more aggressive defense in that way for Michigan State in terms of uh, denial of inbounds. Yeah, it'll be exciting watching plus athletes with actually good coaching too. So sometimes I feel like you have one or the other oftentimes in teams. And yep. so to have both is going to be pretty special. Well, that's, so let's talk that's about the, the, <laughs> that's the Tom Izzo blueprint. I mean, it's he's had yeah, that right. a lot of times. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about the third key to the game, the freshman. So, you know, everyone saw him in Moneyball and there's a lot of hype, especially like Cone Carr, who's got, I think, has more hype than any of the four freshmen coming in just because of his ability to dunk. Uh, so... I guess the question is, how do they look when they get when they're actually out there? Yeah, because this is going to be, you know, they they've gotten to play in front of some crowds now, so that's under their belt. But this is the first time you're playing somebody else, somebody you're not familiar right. with at this level, and so it's just it's always good to see how guys react. Now, I'm pretty confident, you know, I think Jeremy Fears is going to look like exactly what I believe he is, which is a very advanced, very poised player. I think the other guys probably are going to be prone to a few more freshman moments, you know, ones that would be more typical, but I'm just excited to see them playing, you know, um, that's the, that's the interesting thing about it. And for them to get their feet wet and actually get an opportunity to go against somebody who's not a teammate. I mean, I know they <laughs> right. had that money ball, but that doesn't really count. No, absolutely not. Yeah. And to play as a team, finally, it makes a huge difference. Uh, so fourth key to the game, offensive rebounding, the big bugaboo for Michigan State, especially last season, but even the last few years, rebounding has been somewhat of a challenge for the team overall. Yeah. And Hill still has some size. They're not like, although I kind of talked about them being a small team shooting, they've got guys, you know, six, seven, six, ten. So they have, I mean, I don't know how good they are bruising you and stuff, but they can at yeah. least, they're not super tiny. Well, one of their returning, one of their guys who is uh, coming back from, the, uh, from their rotation is 6'9", 240. So that's Big Ten size, at least. Uh, yeah. They have five guys who are in the 6'7", to 6'10", range. So they're not a huge team, but th- there's some size. I'm not sure what to expect out of them in terms of uh, their overall rebounding profile, but uh, it really doesn't matter 
if they were a very good rebounding team, not so good. I, the bottom line for me is I want to see Michigan State getting back to being Michigan State. And that happens. One of the ways that needs to happen is team offensive rebounding. So I want to see guys like Jaden Akins, Cohen Carr, Xavier Booker, uh, both of the five men, Cooper and Sissoko, uh, Malik Hall. I want to see all those guys showing up on the offensive glass, being a presence. It's it's something that Michigan State really needs to have um, in order to get back to being the best version of what this program is historically. Yeah. Well, final key to the game, sharpness. So can uh, you know, Michigan State look like look like a focused team that's not making mistakes? And you would hope with veterans in the starting positions that they would not be that sort of team. Yeah, you know, it's just always and, – and not that I expect it to be a mistake-free game by any means, but what you want to see is a clean performance. So one without an excessive amount of turnovers, um, one where they're not – suffering from a lot of blown assignments on defense. They're not giving up a ton of offensive rebounds, you know, those kinds of things. If you avoid that and maybe you just don't have a great shooting day. Okay. That could still be a clean game, you know, but you don't want to see those kind of um, uh, sloppy mistakes. And, and if we do see some of those, well, you know, it's, it's October still. So it wouldn't be a sign of the the sky falling, but I do think it would be a very positive indicator if, as you said, an experienced team comes out and looks like an experienced team. I mean, I don't know if we put, you know, we've talked about Michigan State a lot in, uh, in terms of, oh, they've got all these guys coming back and that's why we're, one of the reasons why we're all excited, et cetera, but just the amount of games that this starting lineup has under its belt. I mean, two guys in Tyson Walker and Malik Hall that are entering their fifth year of competition. Okay, so they've each got, yeah. the two of them, well over 100 starts in their careers under their belts. A.J. Hogard, a senior who is now entering basically his third year of being a starter. Mati Sissoko, or Jade Nakins, his third year, second year as a starter. Mati Sissoko mm-hmm. is the odd man out, and he's he's still got a full season of starts <laughs> under his belt, and two more years before that where he played sporadically. So this is a very, very experienced team. It will be one of the most experienced teams in the country, certainly among uh, the high-level teams they should be. And you would like to think that will show up in certain ways. One of them would be what we're talking about here. They come out and they can play a clean game. Well, I don't know about you. I'm super excited to see them play. And especially after the very challenging football season, it'd yeah. be nice to kind of turn the page and yep. move on to basketball. Uh, I guess the, I'm not sure where I go to the game. So for me, I don't, I, on TV, I imagine it's like BTN plus or something like that, where they have the college students calling the game yeah i think sure this how, is team coverages i'm not sure on this one i know i know that the tennessee game which is next um uh, is on btn, BTN proper. I think, is it? yeah yeah i would assume that this is plus 
but I haven't I haven't looked into it yet, to be honest. Well, I will be in person, so I will be able to see the game. And I suspect, you know, oftentimes these exhibition games, it is sparsely populated in the Breslin Center. You'll have the zone, and you'll have some other people, and I in and not mostly empty, but you'll have lots of empty seats. I suspect this year you're going to have a little bit less of that, and I think there's going to be a bigger crowd for this opener than you know we normally expect. You would you would think, right? Because in part because of the enthusiasm around this team, yeah, it's it's Big Ten plus seven p.m. on Wednesday. Um, okay, you would think so in part because of the enthusiasm around this team, but also in part because of, um, as you say, the the sense of longing in the Michigan State sports fan base to have something to hold on to that's positive. And basketball certainly seems ready to provide that. Yeah, thank God for Izzo and the basketball team because they, they've been, in, although the football team's had some success recently, it's there have been some years they've been struggled, so it's kind of nice to have. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to have both, right? It's not many places have that. It is, and it's a, but you know, I, I've, I have had these discussions um, on the internet from time to time, but it's not that it's not that long ago, 18 months ago, maybe even a little less where I recall a lot of people talking about how Tom Izzo needed to learn some things from Mel Tucker, <laughs> how, how you handle the portal, et cetera. Well, where are we? You know, where, <laughs> Where do we sit now that it's all come home to roost? And I'm not saying that, you know, things like using the portal are, should be verboten. I don't, I don't believe that. And I don't think Izzo believes that. But I guess my fundamental point is the idea anyone would ever have that a Hall of Fame basketball coach needed to learn things like that from anybody, never mind the coach of another sport, was ludicrous to begin with. And honestly, if you ever thought that, um, I just hope you weren't dumb enough to actually utter it to anybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. There is no question that coaches have the game passing by, they lose their energy sure. or whatever. And you see it all the time, right? I mean, I, I was at Iowa as, as a, um, in medical school and I watched the end final years of Hayden Fry in football. And there's no question that had tailed off. But the notion that it's tailing off because Michigan State's you know, a 10 seed or 11 seed in the tournament or something like that is a sign that, oh, this, this, you know, this program circling the drain is totally different than, I mean, you can tell when programs are and coaches are sort of falling behind. That has never been my impression. I guess if people worry about like very early alarm bells, like way off in the distance, I guess. But I think you have to give someone who's been so successful for so long, the benefit of the doubt and their player and their coaches where it never leaves them. Like, look at, we mentioned before in the pregame, Rick Pitino. I mean, yep. Rick Pitino is a guy who's been successful. Krzyzewski. Um, I mean, uh, Bill Self. Dean, Dean Smith. Roy Williams, I think, yeah. was too. Roy right, yeah, there are plenty Smith. of players. Lots yeah. of examples. You're absolutely right. I think people worry about, oh, well, look at what happened to Jim Beheim. Well, yeah, as you say, that's not inevitable by any means. And in fact, there's plenty of reason to suspect that it won't be. I think the biggest thing is what does the energy level look like? You know? Yep. Does the guy does the guy still feel like he's fully engaged? And I see zero signs of slippage in that department from Tom Izzo. He is ready to go. So 
Um, Until you see that change, I don't think there's much to worry about. Yeah, I think... You, I think you see him pound on the table as much as you did before and pump his fist. And uh, yeah. the only difference is he doesn't look like a baby like he did when you watch those videos of 2000. Yeah. <laughs> During that championship. And maybe we'll get another one this year. Uh, I'm also excited to see the new scoreboard. I It looks pretty cool. Yeah. And I'll see what it, um, from my seats. And as we mentioned before, hopefully get away from that heckler. I won't know. I won't feel super confident until maybe the Butler game when we have a full, totally packed house. <laughs> and then I know what kind of people I've got around me, but hopefully that dumb heckler is long gone and, and did not move with me. That would be so depressing to have another four or five years, that guy. So, uh, so anyway, uh, again, just remind you to reach out to nudge printing at nudgeprinting.com for your Spartan gear. The brothers at just Who gutters. You can find them at brothers gutters where the information underneath in the podcast player or on the website. Uh, and then also, uh, you can join the beat rod contest and you just go to uh, Eric at TFFINOTS.com and send me your picks, and we'll get those in and get you there. So uh, those have to be in before the first Big Ten game, which is sometime more around December 4th or 5th. I know the 5th is the first for Michigan State, but we got to get those in before the Big Ten teams start playing each other. And uh, I guess until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. Go green.